Our guest today is Molakshi Rajaduri, PharmD JD. She is the Executive Director of Regulatory Affairs, U.S. Advertising and Promotion at Allegan Aesthetics, an Abbey company, and leads a team of professionals who advise the company on FDA regulations. Molakshi is passionate about finding creative and compliant ways to communicate with consumers and healthcare providers to optimize their knowledge in making healthcare decisions. Molakshi has found her niche working on unique pharmaceutical direct-to-consumer promotion and digital transformations and believes that if intentions are ethical and in support of public health, compliant paths forward must exist. Molakshi is also dedicated to growing and empowering the next generation of pharmaceutical professionals through mentorship, fellowships, and networking. Molakshi received her law degree from Brooklyn Law School, a doctor of pharmacy degree from Ernst Mario School of Pharmacy, Rutgers University, and studies voice throughout her time at Rutgers. Molakshi is also an active member of the RAPS Regulatory Focus Editorial Advisory Committee, and her favorite saying is by Pablo Picasso, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Welcome, Malachi, to the show. We are so excited to have you with us today. A really impressive background, and we're really looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you. So let's get started. For our audience to really get to know you, if you can talk a little bit about something that's not widely known about you. Sure. Something that's not widely known about me is that um, I was a singer in my previous life. I did study music through college. Um, and I, I did continue singing even when I started working. I had this grand dream that I was going to work as a pharmacist during the day, go to law school at night, and be a singer on the weekends. <laughs> but I, I quickly learned that standing on your feet 12 hours a day isn't exactly conducive to studying or to singing on the weekends. So eventually, after I finished law school, I did sing with um, you know a few groups here and there. But uh, yeah, that's that's part of my history, and it's something that I bring into my work every day. That's wonderful. <laughs> actually, I think there's probably so many women like us. I, I was actually thinking maybe we should start a band. Maybe uh, I even have a name in mind for 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 our multi-talented band. Oh, what would that be? Medriasis. I love that word. So it's a very nerdy scientific word, which means um, your eyes. Uh, your pupils changing in shape when they see something they like. Oh, wow. That's deep. <laughs> deep, nerdy, weird, but <laughs> it's, no, but uh, fun. it's one, of my, my, one of my dreams. We'll have an all-female band. Maybe sooner than you think, you know? You never know. Yeah, you never know. So talking about dreams, when you were young, what was your dream? My dream was actually very close to what I'm doing now, and I, I know that's unusual. Um, I don't even remember when I first formulated this idea. Um, my, my father was in the pharmaceutical industry. And so I would always, you know, go to work with him. I was very interested in the work that they were doing and how it impacted patients and also all the different options that were available in the pharmaceutical field. Um, so I was definitely interested in that. And then my mother's side of the family was very um, in, in the legal world. And so at some point I decided, why don't I combine the two? And before I started college, I had envisioned that I'd be doing something where 
I'd be using my pharmacy background. And at that point, I knew I was going to pharmacy school. Um, I'd be using my pharmacy background with my legal background, somehow working with marketing and advertising. And that's exactly what I do today. I didn't know that role existed, but somehow I found my way. Um, and I now work in a role that uses my pharmacy knowledge, my legal knowledge, and also some of my artistic and musical background as well. Not a lot of people actually land where they would have dreamed of. So that's that's very fortunate. Yeah, I find myself, um, I feel that I'm very lucky. And it's actually, it's funny that I don't even remember when I thought of this, but I actually went back to a journal that I wrote in when I was, um, I think 17 years old, maybe 17 turning 18. And I said, I'm going to be a pharmacist and then I'm going to be a lawyer and then I'm going to work in the pharmaceutical industry. So I, I'm not quite sure when I came up with that, but um, I definitely followed through with my plan. You, you mentioned your mom and dad. So you pretty much kind of combined both their strengths, their skill sets and made something out, which is uniquely you. So yeah. were they the biggest influence or was there anybody else as well who really helped you shape your life? It was, for the most part, it, it was my parents. It was my parents and, and my family. Um, just knowing our history, I think, was very interesting for me. So my mother, um, my mother is a homemaker. And, uh, you know, she, you know, lived through a time where it wasn't the easiest for women to uh be in the career that she wanted. And I think that uh, because she probably didn't get to follow her dreams career-wise, I think she encouraged me considerably. Even now, she'll ask me, you know, what are we studying? What are we studying next? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm the one who's going to school. I think who's taking these exams. But she's she's definitely been very influential in me following um, any of my interests, any of my dreams and you know making the most of of everything that we can we can do you know that i think she's really encouraged me to combine pharmacy law make use of all our talents as much as we can nice in any role models that you looked up to growing up or even now yes i i, I did have role models and i'd say one since i started law school was ruth bader ginsburg um but I, I think that even though I had her as a role model, the really influential people in my life were some women that I just knew as friends um, or people that I, I've met along the way. Uh, one of the most influential women in my life, she's one of my closest friends who's, um, who's actually endured a considerable amount of hardship in her life, you know, abuse as a child, foster homes. And she really inspires me how she takes that experience and turns it into something wonderful and turns it into a way to help others. And she's now a mother of two amazing children. You know, she's definitely, you know, spreading that legacy of, of turning hardship into something positive and then spreading it to other people. So yes, I you know, to answer your question, yes, I do have role models, but I think more than the role models, the people that I've I've met along the way have been more influential. Your friend had hardships. A lot of people we talk to and a lot of women in the different forums kind of bring it up that sometimes women have a harder time getting to where they want to be than men. Have you ever faced such situations where you were either held back or not heard 
enough um, and you had to kind of overcome those obstacles? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I definitely felt it much more early on in my career. I still feel it now sometimes, um, but I think I've developed some, uh, I guess, techniques to overcome it. <laughs> but early on, yes, there were definitely times when I felt like, okay, I'm just going to quote somebody and we're not going to name who it is, but I'm going to quote someone who told me that he couldn't get a word in with me around. And so essentially telling me I talk too much and be quiet in meetings. Or, uh, you know, another told me that I lead with very red energy. And I don't know if anybody's done the colors exercise, but actually my, my lowest color is red. So it was very interesting that he said that. But essentially, you know, communicating that I'm, I'm fiery and I'm hard to get along with or that um, I'm being difficult. And, you know, I think that it's, it's tough as a woman when you're automatically stereotyped or labeled as a certain type when you're actually just trying to get your job done and you're trying to do it well. And, um, you know, the ways I've, I've gotten around that is by really examining myself. So uh, one, one example I can tell you is I was terrified of seeing myself on video. And um, it was an exercise that one of my bosses thought would be really helpful for me. And she was absolutely right. And I was terrified of what I would see. But what I realized when I watched that video of myself presenting and speaking is that regardless of what I looked like, maybe my hair was out of place or maybe, you know, my makeup was off, but I liked that person. I liked the person that I saw on the video. She was kind, she was warm, she was uh, considerate and I wanted to listen to her. So when I saw that, that really helped me start to silence those other voices that, you know, the naysayers who try to, you know, stifle your voice, um, that really gave me the confidence to just ignore what they say and move ahead with what my, my, you know, initiatives are. So somebody starting just now, right in their career, maybe in yeah. their late 20s, what would your advice be? So you kind of said it, calm the voices, and then try to be your genuine self. Well, one, you know, what you just said, be your genuine self. I think it's very important to be authentic. I think, you know, when we first start out or maybe just, you know, what we've heard along the way is, um, you know, women should not be bossy or women should be quiet. Or, you know, one that really frustrates me is I feel like women are always told to make themselves smaller or, you know, have a lot of humility. And of course you should have humility, but you shouldn't be self-deprecating. So I think, you know, we hear all of that all, all along the way, but what I would tell people or women who are starting out in their careers is to really examine themselves, have a set of, I'd say your cheer squad or have a board of advisors that you can turn to who will, you know, give you the encouragement that you need and, and tell you the truth and tell you, you know, not just the negatives, but all the positives that'll give you the confidence to, you know, get what you want. And, and please don't ever be stifled by people telling you, you talk too much. I think if you have a goal in mind, your job is to accomplish that goal. And if you need to talk a lot to accomplish it, then please do it. Are there two or three things you see women doing right now at workplace, you know, two or three things to avoid. One thing I've noticed is that a lot of women hesitate to take 
the head seat at the table. Often it's probably with the best of intentions. You know, we all want to be equals or we want to come to the table and encourage others to, you know, speak their part. I don't know if it's done intentionally or unintentionally. I see that men often come in and take that head seat and they're perceived as the head or the leader. What I try to encourage women to do is don't be afraid to take that seat. If you come in and, you know, that's the only seat available, take it. Or if it's not the only seat available, don't be afraid to take that seat. You know, don't be afraid to be seen as the one who is leading the discussion. And it's a perception thing, but it's it's just something that I've noticed over time. So that's that's one. That That's a great observation, actually. Now that I think back, that is so true. And I've seen like, you know, and I don't think people do it purposely. I, I don't ever see my male colleagues hesitating to take that spot. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's a yeah. conscious decision, but they don't they don't hesitate. So neither should we. True. Is is there some specific skill set you look for or some attributes you look for when you're hiding? Irrespective, women, men, are there certain things that you think are more desirable in somebody you are looking to hire? One is, you know, I definitely look for the soft skills. Because I think most people who are interviewing for the types of roles that I hire for, you know, they they usually have the academic prerequisites, right? They usually have the degrees that are necessary. They have the experience that's necessary. But what's really important in, in my field is to have the right soft skills to be able to influence others. And so one really interesting exercise we sometimes do if we're, you know, at a networking event or at a conference is, you know, we look at candidates and how they behave toward each other. And if we're having a conversation and there are candidates that are cutting each other off, or maybe being discouraging to each other or disparaging in any way, then I automatically know that is not the type of person I want to hire. So we definitely look for the people who have the soft skills and who, who are truly authentic and kind and looking to help others. So Malakshi, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? Yes, for sure I have. And I think um, most women do at some point. And it's something that I see a lot of my female employees struggling with as well. But there's a lawyer who gave me and an entire conference this advice uh, a couple years back. Um, she said she was in a similar position where, you know, she was doubting herself. And, you know, she was about to take on a new role. And she didn't know if she would be ready for it. And she asked herself, if not me, then who? That question resonated with me so much. Like, so now whenever I doubt myself, like, you know, whether or not I'm going to be able to accomplish something, whether or not I'm going to be able to take on a certain role, I ask myself, if not me, then who? Like, is anybody really more qualified? Is anybody more passionate than I am? Um, and that, that really puts a lot of my fears to, to bed. And um, so I, I, I asked, you know, it's not my original quote, it came from somebody else. It's actually a, a lawyer named um, Dinah. But uh, I, I hear her words in my head all the time, if not me, then who? So Malakshi, for our listeners who are trying to grow in your field, what would be a startup strategy you would recommend? Well, one would be to do a lot of research and, you know, really find out about who you're interviewing for, what the role is. But in doing that research, I think you also need to talk to other women. I think women 
um, need to share information with each other. I think very often we're told by companies, you know, don't share your salary, don't share this, don't share that. But I think it's imperative for us to communicate with each other and, and, and not just other women, but also with men to find out what are people asking for with their starting salaries or what are the ranges? What can you negotiate? You know, really do your research about what you can possibly get and you'll be very, you know, sometimes you can be very pleasantly surprised. I think, you know, one thing that I regret is that I hadn't done enough of that when I was young. And, um, you know, luckily I had good friends who were helping me with my finances. Um, a couple happened to be male and they let me know that I was so underpaid compared to them um, while doing more work and maybe even, you know, a higher level, you know, uh, position, um, which is just, you know, just not right. And so I think it's very important for you to do research, talk to other people and really share information. I know sometimes some things seem um, like taboo topics, but there should not be any taboo topics among, you know, um, your friends or among your network, you should really be open with each other about what the possibilities are salary wise and just opportunities wise. Great advice. Were there any instances where you had to face typical perceptions about women or biases? Yes, definitely. I think that, well, there's two kinds of perception. It's the perception that we have of women or people have of women. And then there's also the perception that people have of how they think themselves about women. So uh, what I've noticed is far too often when women advocate for themselves, they're labeled as being aggressive. Yeah, actually, I, I was called aggressive once by actually another woman in HR when I was truly trying to decline an offer. Each time I tried to decline it, she called me very aggressive. Um, but I thought that was interesting because if it was a male, would they have called me aggressive or assertive? You know? Um, and so I, I think, you know, the way we look at women is and, and how we label them is very interesting. And I think we need to challenge those perceptions of women when they advocate for themselves and they speak up for themselves. And then we also have to challenge the perceptions that we have in our mind. Um, I think a lot of people think that they're treating men and women equally, but they may actually have an unconscious bias. They may actually believe that, you know, if they see a woman who is strong, that they're bossy or that they're, you know, as we mentioned, aggressive. I think people have to really question their own thoughts and, and figure out whether or not they have an unconscious bias. And, um, and you know, I noticed this a little bit when advocating for both male employees and female employees. I noticed that even if it was speaking to other women in the chain of command, um, sometimes women were perceived as being too aggressive or ungrateful if they were looking for a pay increase or promotion, whereas the men are very rarely questioned about it. And I think these women who had these perceptions, I don't think they were doing it on purpose. I think it's truly an unconscious bias that they have that only I can see because I'm in the position of equally advocating for both. So I think it's really important for all of us women who are in leadership or raising women in leadership and men in leadership to really question themselves and ask themselves if they have that unconscious bias. Okay. So what are some of the key values that you live your life by? Um, I'd say, you know, three really important values are number one, to be empathetic. 
Um, I think it's very important to understand what other people are going through to be able to find solutions for our community. Two would be be authentic. I think it's very important to be true to yourself. Don't, I think too often we're given advice to behave a certain way to succeed or, you know, speak a certain way or dress a certain way. But, uh, you know, in my experience, people are most successful when they're authentic and comfortable in their own skin. Um, and third would be humility. Sometimes women have too much humility, but I think it is very important to have, you know, be humble and know that all of our successes are not us alone, but it's a team. It's usually from our family and we're never alone. So it's, it's good to have that humility. Outside of work, what are some of the things that really make you happy? Like, what are your sources of joy? So many. I, and I think we've had to uh, really find these different sources and hone in on them during COVID, right? Um, I would say spending time with family, that has definitely become huge for me. Um, spending time with my parents. Um, I've even uh, started doing this thing with them recently where I film them. I ask them questions about their childhood or, you know, things that they've experienced that I never knew about or even like, you know, questions of like how they met. So, you know, definitely spending a lot of time with family, filming family, trying to document all of it, trying to capture everything in pictures as much as I can. I feel like the past few years have really showed us how fleeting life can be. And so I'm, I'm really trying to make the most of every moment. So yes, spending time with my parents, my sister, my husband, and our uh, puppy, Sinatra. Uh, we uh, got him back in August and he brings us so much joy. And, you know, aside from that, I, I also, I love music and I love reading and I also love just binge watching shows. Okay, so now if you had to go to Mars and you could only take two people with you, right? Sure. Who would those people be and why? Well, at first I was thinking Sinatra, but recently he pooped in my office. So he's been voted off the reservation. <laughs> Um, so one would definitely be my husband because he brings a lot of humor and I think to survive on Mars, I would absolutely need humor and he brings, you know, physical strength as well. That, that would definitely come in handy. Um, but, uh, one, one other person I would definitely bring with me, there are so many people I would want to bring, but one person who I think selfishly could come in very handy is my friend, Michelle. Uh, the two of us have traveled around the world together and we've been in some, uh, very difficult places to live. And uh, we've survived bugs. Um, we've survived, you know, engineering malfunctions. And between the two of us, we can always find a solution to everything. Um, for instance, uh, my father actually always brings up this example, and he calls her Wonder Woman. There was a time when we uh, took a road trip. And on the way back, um, something happened to the car and the headlight was out. We just we just stopped at a Target or a Walmart. She went in, grabbed some parts, and fixed it herself. So um, she would definitely, and not only is she just a brilliant, brilliant engineer, but she's a lovely, kind person, and um, we we definitely definitely align in our mission in the world. <laughs> in your um, career, did you have a mentor, and what advice did they give you? So in my career, I haven't officially had any mentors, but um, I've definitely had unofficial mentors that I would just go to for advice or people that I trusted and admired. 
Um, and one of them was very influential. I remember one day I had, um, I did, I felt like I did really poorly at a presentation and I was being really tough on myself and, you know, kept replaying the scenario over and over again in my head. And she just suddenly paused and asked me, do you think the CEO ever had a bad day? Or do you think the CEO ever felt like he or she didn't do well in a presentation? And for some reason, when she asked that question, a light bulb went on in my head that it's okay. We don't have to be perfect all the time. Um, and we're going to have bad days. We're going to have good days. But the main thing is to be able to get up, brush yourself off and, and move on. We have our networks and they are very important. At different stages of our life, our network kind of morphs itself, but that's extremely important. Has it played an important role in your life and how? Absolutely. Networking has been very important. And I think maybe we should clarify what my definition of networking is, because I think some people think that networking is somebody who's going to hook you up with an opportunity or with a job. But to me, networking is truly learning from each other's experiences, um, getting these tips from each other on how to succeed and, and learning how to, you know, overcome different challenges in our life. And so networking has been huge for me. Um, I, you know, love speaking to women and getting this advice from them and vice versa. I think, you know, when I'm mentoring people in my networks, you know, I'm also learning in talking with them about their struggles and, and learning, you know, together, if we come up with a solution that helps me as well. Um, but yeah, I, I network considerably. Um, I, I think that it's one way to find talent, find just, and also just have our finger on the pulse of the world. You know, what's going on in the world, what's going on in our industry, what's going on with women. Um, so I, I think networking is huge if it's done the right way. What would you say about quality of network? Well, I, I, I definitely think the quality of your network is important too. I, I think that um, we have to pick and choose who's going to be a good influence on us. I think positivity is very important when it comes to being successful, whether it's in your career or in life. And, you know, I've experienced, I mean, this has become very clear for me in the past several years because career-wise, my company has gone through many acquisitions. And with every acquisition, there's always a great deal of fear. And there may be people who are, you know, like the fear mongers, like, oh my God, everyone's gonna get fired or this is horrible. And it really breeds an environment of negativity and it really suppresses any type of success you could have. Um, so I make it a point to, you know, if I need to, I, I do try to weed out the negative voices and hold on to the positive ones because I know that if I don't do that, I can spiral down into, you know, a place that is not healthy. So it, I think it's very important to always evaluate your network, see if it's working for you. Um, you know, and, and not just selfishly, but just life-wise. I mean, I think we need positive voices around us to help us, you know, stay focused through COVID, through COVID, you know, to take care of our families. I think, you know, it's very important to make sure you're getting the right advice and, you know, have people who are truly uplifting you. Speaking of COVID, you mentioned Sinatra. What else was a positive during COVID for you? 
I think um, a huge positive was not having to commute anymore. <laughs> that was that was a big one for me because um, I I'm you know I just would get road rage sometimes. And by the time I got to work, <laughs> I'd be in a negative mood, to be honest. And so not having to drive was huge for me. And I'm one of those people where um, I'm comfortable, you know, talking to somebody over the phone, over the camera. I, I get that same in-person feel as, as if I was there with them in person. So cutting out that commute time has been really helpful. And I think with that too, I've been able to be there for my family more because with COVID, you know, not only were we worried about coronavirus, but you still have to worry about all the other health issues that come along with having aging parents. And so um, because of COVID, I was able to move closer to home because I can now work remotely and I'm able to take care of them more and able to see them before or after work, get to them easily whenever they need me. And so I, you know, while COVID was a horrible time for us, um, we definitely made the most of it. And I'm, I'm glad of about some of the impact that the positive impact it's had in my life. Wonderful. As we close this conversation, I wish we could keep going on. What would be your parting advice to anybody who's looking to start a career in your path, um, similar to where you are, if they want to be leaders, aspiring leaders in your field? My advice would be to keep an open mind and remember that you don't know what you're capable of until you try it. There were so many things that I've done along all throughout my career that I didn't know I could do until somebody threw me in or the opportunity presented itself and I just had to say yes. You know, for instance, I, you know, it, before I started law school, um, I thought law school would just be a place where I write and, you know, work on regulations with, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals that I learned about. But I, I didn't realize I'd actually, I was terrified of having to talk. And I didn't realize that I'd be good at an oral negotiation or an oral argument until I was thrown in. And then I was very pleasantly surprised by what I was able to do. And then just like that, throughout my entire career, I was thrown into different opportunities, you know, for instance, maybe sales training or maybe teaching something or um, doing some sort of an assessment. I never knew I was capable of these things until somebody believed in me and somebody gave that, me that opportunity and I actually tried it. So the main thing is you don't know what you're capable of until you try it. So keep an open mind. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Really appreciate it and had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.